Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Well, praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad to when they said to me, let's be the church, and I'm glad to be the church. And tonight I have a lot to cover, and I want to preface that the following lessons for the next three um, programs will, are designed for individuals already acquainted with the Scriptures. And for those who recognize their calling either in the church uh, or as leaders um, that are in current leadership positions in the church. So if you don't fit those modes of focus, don't be discouraged. Please take more detailed notes than usual because I'm going to be going quickly through more scriptures and more context of the scriptures tonight than I normally do on regular programs. And then after this, we'll be in volume two, and I'll slow it down a little bit so that way we can get the fundamentals affirmed in the faith. But tonight is not that type of lesson. It's for those that are already established in the faith. So let's pray and get started right into the lesson. We have a lot to cover. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day, knowing that this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and are glad. We thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and guide to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And, Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. We are going to be discussing the reality of our new humanity. Let's look back at Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at it from a different vantage point. Revelations of the new creation. We're going to do a crash course tonight in Christian humanities through the lens of new creation, and that's the name of the subject, and we're going to be focusing on three different sections of this particular teaching. We're starting with the NIV translation of Ephesians chapter 2, where we got the uh, coin phrase of this content, of this of this subject for he himself is our peace who was made who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier dividing the wall of his hostility by setting aside in the in his flesh the law with its commandments and its regulations his purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of two thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Of course, he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. And in addition to that, I want to put a special plug in to make certain that you have listened to the first three lessons of the new nature, um, uh, the um, the divine nature series. We are partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And we, we studied that for the last few weeks or a few weeks ago. So make sure that you have all three lessons of Volume 1, which is um, transforming our God complex, because I'm building from this, this advanced study from that. And we know that we've had access into the nature of God because Christ allotted us access. But here we want to look at another 
effect of his nature, and that's the effects of his nature on us, which is the re- reality of our new humanity, revelations of new creations. All right, now, taking another approach to how we view and appreciate the relevance of Scripture is vital to us encountering God in today's time. It should be more transformative, transfiguring, and tangible, his glory, the total pro- growing process of spirituality. And perhaps we are over-familiar with the text that we have mastered our bent on historical accounts of the ancient text that we would rather hold to sacred, uh, what's sacred in the lens of historical appreciation versus real inspiration that, that drives us into depth in this newness of life concept. Perhaps we are stale set in wonder versus manifestation, not really bringing uh, spirit, not really being spiritually led or be, uh, becoming fruitful. In the last few years of my pressing on the Holy Spirit for real impact and relevance, it became very clear that the cleverness of many scholars and secular societies put caps on our life in Christ, neutralizing the impact of the collision of our life with his precious Holy Spirit, naturalizing faith in time, and even numbing convictions to live right through rewriting and revamping grace, making godly life theoretical as if we would never achieve it till we enter in the in the grave of some sort. Embedded in a new system of beliefs is a great reproduction process of faithlessness, being totally clueless of the extensive working which Christ achieved at Calvary. If I can change your reality, I can alter every attempt you have in believing you can achieve the best. Your values won't matter. If I keep you captive, every chance, idea, or thing set to transform, what would change the nature of things would be at a halt. Everything will remain just the way it is, something that we should never avoid but alter with our God-given ability. A captive mentality will keep merely fanatical because it may uh, appear temporarily illogical. If I have your mind, I don't have to worry about you making a difference. It's systemic warfare at its best. Embruited humanity with conflicting ideas that keep them stuck in it is what it is will make the best of what we have. It's merely a dream never meant to be. Renewal never happened. Reformed theology went wrong. Calvinists are just as off as Satanists. The Roman road went to the ruts with the Roman Empire. The word movement never really moved. We claimed we had faith and did not. The prosperity, we fled more poverty than good. And please let us not chain this to just the Pentecostal movement. Every denomination in some sort have exploited and adapted to secular trends that should uh, should be um, Excluded from the sacred community Looking raw at the timetables of church history We can't coin this one sect of groups To sexual escapades, sin And and the loss of our sanity It has happened to us all And we can't pull people out of the pits If we ourselves as ministers Are just pitiful in perspectives and persuasions Time warped worship is manifesting in the church at an all-time high. We are in the wonder years instead of worship years, and we are still at the brink of a glorious days ahead if we would dare humble ourselves, asking the Holy Spirit to give us this day our daily bread. 
This does not have to be our story. We can be the remnant that remain in a righteous resolve to tackle what appears to be complex and what we have through the Holy Spirit, transforming our perspective, the trek of faith, and being transfigured to transform all play a part in existing in the confidence of our new nature in Christ. But if our perspective remains as what has been, it will always be what it was really unplugging the caps that we have on God and gathering a greater picture about the extents of his willingness to unfold everything to us points um, to his openness, how he opens himself completely. And this is what I found out in prayer. A different vantage point on who he is gave me uh, a realization to the air that he gives us to collect those concepts and make something of what we have gathered from it. And throughout life, um, he has expressed to us, us attaining his love. But I was reminded not to romanticize the texts about love into my own context. And some of those foundational truths that we have sanctioned in the love of God has been held in conflict with the accuracy of scriptures. But till we develop a continuous soul uh, uh, a, a contentious soul, rather, against the love of erroneous religious concepts and its rhetoric and trends of flawed newless, we will continue to lack prevailing over the, the, the cares of life. But God has enabled us to achieve newness of life. And so I want to talk about, in the first part, the newness niche. The first section you can label as, as the newness niche. I want to take a deeper look at the scripture, not in light of God's nature, but the effect of his nature on our nature. Now, for ministers, ministering on this type of topic where we overemphasize the exclusiveness of, of following Christ, we got to change what we think Christ is and what he's not. So so in, in, in a sub-point, basically, that I inserted in the lesson, I want you to understand that Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not a last name for Jesus. It's not a leap of faith coined as a religious gesture. And it's not a, a, a logical conflict to current times and or Old Testament times. Christ is indicative of the power the man Jesus possessed. And 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 we got to get it out of the crux of Christian can can terminology, but but indicate that it's the power that transforms and gives us life and makes us a different species upon the revelation and the repentance of our hearts. Christianity is not inclusive; it's not an inclusive branch, but it is an exclusive branch for a group of evangel um um. Uh, of individuals who say, for God I live and for God I die. Now, we we need to also understand that Christ is the inspiring spirit that that filled us at the point of salvation. The man Jesus also used this uh used his nature, which was Christ, which was spirit, to fulfill the will of God. And we know that this is the the uh uh what the inspiration from um, behind the in, in, uh, the redemptive work that that required integrity uh, to state God's heart and to convey God's love to humanity. So here we see that it's it's inspiring, 
it's it's the inspiration that thrusts us into the integrity of God. So when we say Christ, we, Christ is the essence of God expressed to us through spirit. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Now, God has enabled us to experience this newness niche. And and please, as you as you begin to develop in the things of God, don't get so comfortable with with just attaching new to everything. If God emphasizes that we have a covenant established upon better promises and he coined it as the new covenant or the new testament, then that newness should produce produce a spark a revelation of something fresh in our lives. Now so so we got to become aware of this niche called new because the New Testament is flooded with newness. Now, five scriptures that affirm um, this exclusive group to be new in Christ. Of course, uh, let's go to the Old Testament and start it in, in Psalms chapter 1. And we're going to read a couple of scriptures. I'll read this one in King James and a few in Amplified, so just flow with me. Um, amen. Psalms chapter 1. I'll give you all of them so you know. Psalms chapter 1 and um, verses 1 through 3. Psalms 139, verse 14, 1 Peter 2, 9, Psalms 100, verses 1 through 5, and Mark 4, 11. Okay, I'll give it to you one more time. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Psalms 139, verse 14, 1 Peter 2, 9, Psalms 100, 1 through 5, and Mark 4, 11. Of course, you know, Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate on it day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, which bring forth it fruit in its season. His leaves also shall not wither, but whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the ungodly shall, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So here we see that we are an all-exclusive club of individuals that have made God, um, that have resolved, for God I live and for God I die. Of course. Psalms 139 says in verse 14, and out of the Amplified it says, I will confess and praise you, for you are fearfully and wonderfully, and and for the awful wonder of my birth. Wonderful are your works, and that my inner self knows right well. This is praise to God. So we understand we've been developed and been created in God. Uh, wonderfully and out and reverentially, we have been crafted to 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 work after God. Of course, you know, First uh, Thessalonians five twenty three says, "I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper." So we know that our spirit, soul, and body must be kept blameless before the Lord. But here, you can give scriptures to let people know why are we a new creation. 
One, because we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We don't stand in the way of the sinner. We don't sit in the seat of the the scornful, our delight is in the law of the Lord. We meditate on it day and night. We're planted by the rivers of water. We bring forth fruit in our seed, season, whatever. We do prosper because we're not ungodly. All right? But I don't, not only that, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Second Peter 2.9 says, But ye are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that ye may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfection of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we need to understand we are a new creation. Also, uh, looking back in the Psalms, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know, perceive, recognize, and understand with approval that the Lord, it is God. It is he that has made us, not we ourselves, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and, and thank offering and, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful and say to him, bless and affectionately praise his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy and loving kindness are everlasting. His faithfulness and truth endure to all generations. So we are made by the Lord. What else are we, what are we doing to, to affirm the reality of our new nature in Christ? Mark 4.11 says, and he said unto them, being Jesus, to you it has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God, that is, the secret counsels of which God has hidden from all the ungodly. But for those who are outside of our circle, everything becomes merely a parable, a story in quest of a meaning is what Christ is saying. So what, what we're saying is the, the power of Christ makes us a different species upon the revelation of repentance of heart that we receive through Christianity. And Christianity is not all-inclusive, but it is exclusive, it's an exclusive branch of individuals. Now, now when, when we see something here, I want you to understand the new humanity, which uh, the NIV uh, put in there, was saying God gave us access to be different. And that's the part. Now, we talked about how with him, him giving us access, we recognize that he's different from what we think. But in, in also looking at that scripture, we are different. And because he gave us active access, we should be different. And this has to be reality to us. And if we treat ourselves like any everybody else, then why would people say, what must I do? So, Three times we see God revamping humanity in the scripture. Number one is Noah's flood. You can look in Genesis and see the flood where he totally abolishes a whole generation. The second one is the regeneration of the Holy Ghost, which we see in Acts chapter 2. And then the third one that we, we see prophetically spoken is the new heavens and the earth and the people being able to worship God, whether they're um, are they, the dead in Christ rising and we that are alive and remain will be caught up. So, so we see all of these, these God revamping humanity. But we can experience that, that newness factor in the Holy Ghost. 
in the spirit-led life. So I wanted I wanted to point those three things out to you uh, and give you five scriptures supporting that this message, although it's in ancient text, is new. Now, let's look back at Ephesians chapter 2 tonight, and we, 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 we're trekking along, but we got a lot more to cover. In, in a nutshell, the book of Ephesians reveals five distinct realities. Number one, the power of the gospel. It enlightens our minds. Number two, the person of the gospel, Christ through a manifested church. God is equipping people with the power so that they can engraft the uh, they can engraft in their hearts the mind of God, the mind of Christ, the love of God, which can pass a, uh, with the passive knowledge and all understanding. Those things are grasped through the person of Christ, and as we reflect on the person of Christ, then we find the purpose of, of the person of the gospel. He is the per- person of the gospel. But thirdly, we see the purpose of the gospel: repentance, <laughs> renewal, redemption. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. When we when we see those things taking place in our life, we then unfold the plan of the gospel, which is reconciliation among mankind and God. Reconciliation with God, when we're in right standing with God, we will have no problem being in right standing with one another. And then the promise of the gospel, faith through grace. For we are saved by faith through grace. It is a gift of God, not that any man should boast. Now, the church of Ephesus not only are the threads of theology are the threads of theology revealed which we found out that we reflect on the nature of God so that we can have confidence to approach God um, but the unfolding of the divine agenda to unite the church beyond nationalities now hear me on this part redemption awaken reconciliation the merging of the fulfillment of the law and life in Christ to the merging of cultures through a oneness that eradicated classism, sexism, and racism. The Bible tells us to know no man after the flesh. Glory to God, but after the spirit. This is the church, uh, this is one of the greatest church meetings we ever see in Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. The revealing uh, uh, uh the revealing of authentic reconciliation, the authentic reconciliation of Christ as a whole sole basis and, a, um, and, and no more a religious emphasis on our way, but a new emphasis solely on the identity of Christ, which is, which is meant for us to have a clear new way and a new message to alter everything that we knew prior to then. So Ephesians chapter 2 is very vital for us knowing as the church. This is what causes the new creation, the revelation of our new covenant with God. Now, the New Testament is flooded with concepts of, of, of new, new concepts. And this as a church, we must not be negligent to overlook and or emphasize as common reality for the believer. This is a great advantage that we're striving for, to extract what the Scripture states and emphasizes being made new in Christ and choose what God has ordained as his big ideas for us to pattern ourselves according to this set dialogue and training. 
So in this particular lesson and the lessons that will follow in this study, we will emphasize what should be apparent in our lives. And this concept is perfectly coined in the article of Hebrews chapter 10. Turn there right quick. Hebrews chapter 10, and you can mark down 14 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 14 through 25. And it reads like this, And therefore, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated through us the veil that is to say his flesh. And having the high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And, and this is the key part that I want to emphasize in this letter, lesson. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Didn't I start off with that in Ephesians chapter 2? Not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day of pro uh, approaching. If our newness factor doesn't translate to fellowship among the faith, a greater uh, uh, and a great awakening to kingdom unity, something is seriously hindering the reality of our new humanity. Because we're supposed to reflect the same image. Glory to God. And so we got to take, for instance, the uh, um, the reflection uh, and the effects of the unity that was found in new humanity. In the acts of the Holy Spirit, it was an immediate attraction to the new way. You remember Acts chapter 2, when they were in the upper room on one accord, the Spirit came in and set on them a tongues of fire, and they began to speak in, 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 in unknown tongues, unknown to them, the Spirit as the Spirit, and they began to preach the kingdom of God. So in, in Acts chapter 2, we see this pattern. The church was added daily as such should be saved, Acts 2.47. So when we look at look at at our newness factor, it should translate to fellowship. It should translate to fellowship, and there's a compelling force of attraction that provokes people to say, "What must we do? What must we do? What must we do?" And this thrusting comes through a transforming power of new creation reality. So ultimately. We're not just trying to be superhuman. We're trying to reach people to go from confessing Christ to converting into Christ. The identity clause in the New Testament believers is vital to existing in the reality uh, um, that God has crafted for our new humanity. So if we want to lodge this understanding from the lens of affirming the life as a gift from God that grants us access to him and his reality, we have to reflect on on a passage that I want you all to keep in mind. I don't have time to, to really express it like I want to, but I want you to take down John chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. You remember uh, uh, the, the proper name for it is the visitor in the night, um, but we call it uh, Nicodemus. 
You remember Jesus was a teacher, and, you know, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Pharisee was somebody that was inquisitive, sophisticated in the law, uh, a set leader. And he's coming in an act of humility at night so that way he wouldn't be exposed, that, that his searching and his finding required him to get something deeper than what he had through his life of the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees were confident in their ability to attain and to exist uh, in keeping and preserving the law of God. But he knew inwardly that there was something greater and that the effects that the man Jesus had on people and the effects that Jesus had on those that served him and the effects of, of encountering who Jesus was would get him to rethink what he really believed. And so Jesus said, look, the things in which this newness of life that you're inquiring, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Unless you be born of the Spirit, you, and oh, the water and the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, I got to get you uh, born again. I got to get you thinking about your creation from another vantage point. And, and so the, the visit in the night is what God wants all of us to experience. And in, now, ultimately, this is the interesting thing of the story. He could have went to Jesus during the day, but it would have exposed him to people. Jesus was also available in the private times of our lives, in the times where it's uncertain, where we don't know what uh, to do, how to articulate the sentiments and the feelings that are associated with the circumstances that we are in. Jesus is willing to meet us at those times in private and personally reveal aspects of the kingdom. Now, it will cause growth and, and it will require more seeking and more searching than to look at it from a natural, logical perspective. But you're still going to get answers if you just come. And you come, even if you're a visitor in the night when it comes to the questions of your salvation, when it comes to the searching in your soul, even if you're a visitor in the night, God will, will give you enough to let you know that you'll never be the same if you follow the one that carries his name. Glory to God. Now, I don't want to get stuck there, but I want you to understand that this is, this is the provoking to, to the newness. You need to make certain that in your experience of Christ, you are being provoked to the newness. And that's what we talked about, transforming the God complex, taking the caps off of God. But here we also see that our theology...